Welcome to you this morning from Kelowna Christian Center, or FOIA. You can see behind me a little bit of the values that are connected to our, our Christian community when we gather together. Uh, but we're really happy to have the opportunity to enter into your home today. Uh, we've been doing this for about three months, coming live stream this way, and I hope that the, you've been enjoying the word that's been brought to you. Uh, last week, Pastor Brody shared about how important it was to fall in love with Jesus again. And uh, he reminded us of, of what it was maybe like when we had our first love for him. And he encouraged us to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And uh, I, I couldn't uh, help but think about the changes that I've seen in some people who I've known over the years that used to use Jesus as a swear word, but now use him in praise, and, uh, and it's precious to him. And so we want to go back to the, that first love and, and ignite it. Um, we're, we're talking this uh, July about some of the values that make our community unique and probably values that are shared corporately with the body of Christ globally. But we really want to uh, nail down these values as, as critically important to the way in which we function. And today I want to talk about uh, our relationship to one another. Um, at KCC, we believe that people belong, that people really are important to us. Uh, they've become our passion and our, it's our privilege to get to know people. Every individual that comes into our life adds a, a specific dimension to who we are. And uh, so we pursue, and today we're pursuing you through the means of uh, this online streaming. Um, we say that people are important uh, to our lives because we met Jesus. And when we met Jesus... He put the same love that he had in his heart for us personally in our heart for other people. And so our understanding of Christianity can, can be simply wrapped up with two basic laws, and that is love God with all your heart and soul and everything within you. But learn to love other people as you love yourself. I don't think I'd be alone in stating this as, as you have probably had time to sit back and watch the dynamics of what's happening in our world. I don't think I'd be alone in saying that our, our world is in a very serious condition. Our world is really struggling uh, to express their love for one another right now. Every day we, we hear news reports on the breakdown of civility, uh, division, and discord. Uh, the spread of bigotry and prejudice and intolerance for one another. It appears we've even lost the capacity to even dialogue and work out our issues and, and try to come to some common ground with each other. The whole process of being reconciled to our, 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 our human family uh, does not even appear to be in place. We, it's, it appears that there's a lot of things at work to tear those relationships apart rather than to bring them together. And at KCC, it's our dream uh, to, to bring people together to help them understand one another and then walk in love towards each other. Now, that thinking has a biblical context and it comes from a biblical worldview that from our perspective is based on what the Word of God says. If we're going to love people the way God loves people, we're going to have to see the world through His lens and we're going to have to see people 
from the perspective that God sees people. And so I just want to take you through a little bit of a biblical uh, study this morning from the Word of God and then lay this case out before you uh, to encourage you in your passion and pursuit of people. In Genesis 1, 26 to 28, it says that, that God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, this likeness hasn't to do with a, a physical dynamic. It has to do with a moral and spiritual dynamic. But the Bible says, so God created man in his own image, and in the image and likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. That's the first relational connection we see after creation. God's love for humanity was punctuated with the blessing of God upon their lives. But we do see a challenge that happens very early in the creation of man, and that we jump to Genesis chapter 5, uh, verses 2 and 3. And the Bible says, When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and named them mankind at the time that they were created. And, but then it goes on and says, When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his own image. Something happened between Genesis 1 and Genesis 5. And that, that something happens and occurs in Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> between Genesis 1 and 5, we see an event that actually changed and shifted not only the world, but also the human heart through the entrance of sin. Humanity, who was created for a relationship to God and to have peace with one another, lost that relationship through disobedience and that affected the relationships he had with everyone else, starting with his wife and then his family. And the first evidence, of course, we see of, of this uh, dysfunction in the human heart shows up in Genesis chapter 4 with the first murder of a brother murdering a brother out of jealousy. So the moral nature of God that originally Adam was created with was tarnished through sin. And humanity began to change from that moment on. And they began to recreate after a fallen image. Not the image of God, but after a fallen image. So much so that when we get to Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says... The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all of the time. That's a powerful statement. To actually believe that in a very short period of time, human nature could devolve from being created in the image of God after the nature and the character of God into a a population that was constantly thinking of doing uh, evil to one another. Romans 1 in the New Testament picks up on that picture, and it talks about how dark the human heart can become when it gives itself over to sin. The heart is described as disobedient and impenitent. It refuses to be uh, corrected. It's hard and faithless. It's dull and darkened. And the Bible actually defines the heart as deceptive above all things and desperately corrupt. And, And God asks the question, who can actually know one's own heart? 
because of the potential that there is within the human heart, not only for good, but also for evil. And Proverbs uh, makes it abundantly clear in chapter 20, verse 9. It says, who can say, I have made my own heart pure and clean. I'm pure from my sin. Jeremiah thirteen twenty three says, can a leopard change its own spots? And the implication of those scriptures is that the heart of man, the very nature, the very core uh, value system of humanity was shifted by giving in to sin. And when sin began to uh, operate within the human heart, it changed them immensely. And now when we look at humanity and the way the inhumanity to humanity, we say, that can't be God. That can't be the image of God. That's not how God created us to be. But right from the very beginning through the fall of man, God promises a savior. He promises someone to come that would actually change the heart and and give us the opportunity to get back into relationship with God and with each other. And, and we see some of this in scripture where uh, David, who was, was considered a great king, uh, wound up doing some horrendous things, even though he was, we would call, a religious man. He wound up committing adultery and then covering up his adultery with, uh, with murder. And he looked at his own life in that very historic passage in Psalm 51, and he laments his own actions and realizes, he says, there's something wrong on the inside. Evil is pervasive in my system. Even though I would consider myself a good man from so many different ways, I know there's something wrong on the inside. And he looks at his own heart and he makes this statement. He says, God create in me a new heart and and restore a right spirit to me. He recognizes his personal human state. That word create is a very interesting word because it actually means to bring into existence something that had never been in existence before. So what David is saying is, with all of my efforts at trying to please you, God, I've wound up doing some things that I, I have to look back at right now and go, that was wrong. I know it's wrong. Why did I do what I knew what was wrong? So David cries out, created me a clean heart. God promises help. Ezekiel twice said this. He says, I'll give them one heart, a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit within them, and I will take the stony unnaturally hardened heart of their flesh and I will give them a heart of flesh that's sensitive and responsive responsive to the touch of God. So we see historically God gave humanity his presence and humanity rejected God's presence. God gave mankind conscience that that twang that goes on inside of us where we we know we've done something wrong and, and we need to resolve it but we re- oftentimes refuse to yield to our conscience and our conscience gets hard as we continue to do what's wrong. And then God gave us his law and we continue to break it and we do our own thing. And then God sent his prophets and we, we see that in scripture when the prophets came, he, they actually didn't listen to the prophets and, and in many situations killed them. And so God ultimately sends his own son to die for us because 
none of these things actually change the human heart. God sends his son. And the Bible says he went to Calvary and died on the cross for us. And in that process took upon himself our sin nature, the mess that was in our heart. And he did that so that he could give us God's heart, a new nature, and to reconcile us not only to the Father, but to reconcile us to one another. That's the power of the cross, and that's the message of the cross. It has both a horizontal relational uh, impact and a, and a um, vertical element of impact where our relationship to God is restored and then through that, our relationship to one another is restored. We learn to love God with all that is in our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then we take that and start loving one another with our whole heart, mind, and strength. Jesus, when he came, because he brings the solution from the Father for the broken heart, he requires that there be a new birth what we call today traditionally as a born-again experience. And Jesus said, unless a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, restored from within, uh, then, then the change cannot occur. So he points to this need of humanity to recognize their spiritual need and turn to God and when one puts their faith in God, there is a new birth experience that occurs. And the heart, God does heart surgery. He takes the evil of the heart and he gives us his heart. He takes the evil of our ambitions, gives us him, his ambitions. He gives us, takes the evil out of our feelings and desires and he puts into those feelings and emotions his heart, his desire. Paul spoke of it as a new creation. That if anyone is in Christ, grafted into Christ, looks to Jesus as their Savior, they become a new creation. Something that King David talked about. Created me a clean heart. Paul says you'll become a new creation. You'll be reborn. The old things that motivated you and controlled you will be passing away and new motivations and new heart uh, agendas will start taking over in your life. That's the power of Christianity. And then Paul spoke about it from this perspective. He said, we're going to experience being reshaped again, recreated in the image of God. In Ephesians 2, he says, we're his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus Reborn from above, transformed, renewed, ready to be used to do some good works which God has prepared for us before the foundations of the world. This is the crux of any attitude of heart change. Paul goes on to say in in 2 Corinthians 5, he said it was God in Christ reconciling the world, people to himself. And not counting their sins against them, but canceling them. And then he says this important uh, verse. He says, and he is now committing to us the same message of reconciliation. In other words, the work that God has done through Christ in reconciling the world 
to himself through the cross, which was a costly act, is the same process that God is using through us. And it's a costly process to cancel the trespasses of people against us, to look in the faces of those who are evil or enemies or said things against you or persecuted you, and to love them just like Jesus loved them. But God, through Christ, knowing that we have been reconciled to God, even with all of our mess, he says, now you need to reconcile other people to yourself and reconcile them to God. That's the message. That's the responsibility. And so the church is the greatest reconciling force on the planet. And it is the greatest hope for peace between people or races and colors and creeds and and, and, and genders. Uh, the, the church of Jesus Christ is the only hope from my perspective to bring the world together because not because of who we are or how great we are, but because of who he is and how great God is and what God has done to the human heart. You can't go anywhere in the world and get that shift and change to the human heart unless you come through Christ. And when we come through Christ and our hearts are touched by God, we can reverse a decaying, devolving culture that is, 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 is more in hate with each other than in love with each other. Paul said this about the cross. He said, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away from each other, you didn't get along. You've been brought near to each other by the blood of Christ. What Jesus has done in stretching forth, just like the, the two men that died with Christ in the crucifixion, in that outstretched arm, he's bringing them into himself. He said, it, he is our peace and our bond of unity. And he breaks down the barrier or the dividing wall between us. He breaks it down. So Christ and his cross for the Christian and for the church community ought to be the great equalizer within humanity. When we stand before God and each other, because we're in Christ, we've lost who we were. We're new creation in Christ. We've left the old behind. We're taking on new uh, values and belief systems. And we're taking on the heart of God for humanity like, like he had for us. When that equalization begins to happen through the cross and Christ, when we stand before God, we're neither rich or poor. We're not male or female. We're not black or white. We're not free or slave. We're not clean or even dirty. We're, we're brothers and sisters. We're family. We're, we have one father, one blood, one spiritual DNA, one faith. One hope, one spirit that has been put in all of us. That is the, that's the salvation of a society. Without it, we are left to ourselves to try and create laws and means and ways, through even religious means and ways, to try and create the bridge and break down the barriers between, uh, between people. But in Christ and through the cross, that that barrier has already been broken down and we now have hope. And Paul says it this way. He says, We know no one after the flesh, 
but only through the eyes of Christ. That's one of the most powerful statements, I think, in the whole of Scripture. When I look at people now, I don't see them through the eyes of the flesh. I see them through the eyes of God, through what God created them to be, uh, through what they can become if the grace of God enters into their personal life. Just as he changed me, he can change them. That, that's a powerful statement. So from now on, the Bible says, we don't regard anyone from a human point of view. We see them through the heart and the eyes and the lens of God. So knowing Christ changes us. Nothing can change you like knowing Christ. Nothing can change you personally so that you actually begin to love yourself again because you're not ashamed of your life of sin because God has made a way to heal and restore and forgive that sin. Now, as looking at ourselves, we're able to look at other people through a different lens and say, if there was hope for me, there's hope for you. If God could heal me, he can heal you. If God can deliver you, he can deliver, uh, he delivered me, he can deliver you. And so when we start looking at people through this lens of what Jesus has done, we begin to learn to love like he loved. And I tell you, the depth of the love of God that goes well beyond the depth of our sin, no one is, no one is beyond the love and the grace of God. When God, when you look at scripture, you see Jesus reaching out to the prostitute that everyone else shunned. You see him eating with the tax collector, which was probably one of the, the, the worst relationships the Jewish community had um, with uh, their, their own people. He touched the leper, that, the untouchable, the people that no one else would touch and love on, he loved on. He reached out to the Samaritan, those people that were outcasts from society as a whole. He even connected to the Roman persecutors, those that had come to, to, to control and dominate the Jewish world. He reached out to them in love and changed their hearts through his love. God so loved the world through Christ that he gave his only begotten son and he put that same love for the world and for humanity in us. And when we are loving people like God loved people, we are at our very best as Christians. We are taught when we come to Christ and we learn to love and, uh, as he loved, but we also learn to forgive like he forgave. And every single one of us are in need of forgiveness. Even when I was his enemy, he positioned his heart towards me in forgiveness. And I see what he forgave in my life. And I have no choice but to walk in forgiveness to other people. Because of the depth of forgiveness I've experienced, I look at everyone around me with those eyes and I go, uh, how can I not forgive? I've got to forgive. Just like Jesus forgave me. And then we learn to be merciful and compassionate like Jesus was. And when I deserved justice, God released mercy to me. And I don't understand the compassion of God towards me on a day-to-day basis, but I wouldn't want to live any other way than being compassionate towards other people who have their own life story, who are carrying their own weight and, and mess in life and, and, and look at them through the eyes of compassion and mercy 
that Jesus found me in the same in the same place. <clears throat> a few uh, days ago, this week, I I woke up in the morning and a little song was going over in my mind that I learned probably 60 years ago when I was in a place called Sunday School. You know, we call it kids' church or you know children's church, but for me it was Sunday School, and the song went like this. <clears throat> it says. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Well, I know that that's kind of focused on the children, but in view of our present circumstances in our world today, where you see this, the, the, the breakdown of civility and this discord and division and this inability to listen to each other and this actual growing of hate and despise for one another. That little song penetrated my heart again. And I realized that a very young age in my life, because I was brought up in, a, in a, the influence of Christianity, my values towards my peers, my friends, the children around me, um, they, they were being shifted by a little song that Jesus loves the little children. And when I look back at my life, whether it was in Kamloops and one of my best friends was First Nations or when I went to, uh, you know, Montreal and um, the Jewish community at that time was going through an awful lot of anti-Semitism and some of them became my friends and I, I realized what they were going through or, or whether I was in Acadia playing my trumpet at Sharon Church uh, with the black community, the Acadian community, um, they became my, my friends. Uh, I realized that a lot of those barriers between the races had been broken down in my own personal life. Number one, because Christ had already built a bridge. He had broken the barrier between people. He would broken the barrier between me and him. And now he was teaching me how to break the barrier between myself and other people. I, I never want to go back to uh, a time where sin invades and creates the kind of mess in culture. And so my, my heart at this point in time in my life is to just dedicate myself to getting this message of the what we call the gospel, the good news, out to as many people as possible. I grew up in my Christian family believing that we were all uniquely created and we were created to be celebrated. I grew up believing that every individual's value was based upon the immense worth that not I put on them, but that God put on them. And God established that worth right from the very beginning. Right before we were born, he sent his son because of his love. He loved us from the foundations of the world. He created us and I remember years ago I was I was thinking about this creative act of God and I heard someone talk a little bit about it and I want to share it with you today. Um, the Canadian um, Mint has created a $20 bill in front of us. Um, that piece of paper is not much different than the $5 bill or the 100 or the $50 bill. In terms of substance, it may have a different color so we can recognize it, a different number. But it's the creator, the Canadian Mint, that created the value of this $20 bill. 
And you can mess it up, you can color on it, you can tear it, you can break it, you can, you can make it dirty, you can do whatever you want with this $20 bill, but this $20 bill remains inherently valuable at $20 because a creator, <clears throat> the government of Canada, decided it was worth $20. Well, when you and I were born, God put a value on our life. And the, and the Bible makes it clear. He says, He who did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, how we will, will he not, along with him, graciously give us every other thing? In other words, God was saying this, that if there's only one person that came to him as a result of the cross, he would have done it again. Because the value of a human life is based upon what God would pay to redeem that valuable, that, that life. And the value that God put on your personal life is the value of, he had towards his own son, Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a powerful expression from my perspective of how much God loves me. Uh, agreed. It's not warranted. It's by the grace of God that I've been loved this way. But it's the great equalizer because just like I have to give up everything in my life to become a Christian and God gives everything of him to me, uh, that happens for all of us. doesn't matter what our background, what we've done, what we haven't done. The issue is that at that moment in time, God says, I love you and I will redeem you and I will make your life valuable. And so my life's value does not come from what other people say I am. My life's value comes when I look up at Jesus and I see how much he loved me and how much he gave for my life. That mentality I take to the world around me. And when I look at every life, whether it's the preborn child in the womb, whether it's the older person that's ready to die, whether it's a married couple, it doesn't matter. When I look at them, I look at them through the lens of Jesus. He died for them. He loved them immensely. He has a plan for their life. And I want to be in the same place that God is, welcoming them into my life in in terms of relationship. We're all ex-somebodies. We're all nobodies who become somebody because of someone, Jesus. We all have a past, but more importantly now in Christ, that past is washed away and we have now a relationship to Christ and we all share the same future. And the walls that (coughs) separated us from one another have been broken down. And the bridge of reconciliation has been built through the cross. And now we have access into the hearts of humanity all around us. And because of Christ, his passion for people has become our passion for people. His pursuit of people has become our pursuit. So in conclusion this morning, I just want you to go away with this. The only hope for peace between ourselves and God and ourselves and one another is reconciliation through knowing God, knowing Jesus, and then knowing one another and loving one another just as he loved us. It requires a heart change. 
the problems in our world that I look around and see, and, and I'm not blind to it, you aren't either. If the heart was changed, and only Jesus can change the heart, if the heart was changed, what a wonderful society and culture we'd be living in. Jesus gives us a new mindset, new emotions, different agenda, desire to love people, forgive, be merciful, and laws cannot bring peace to a broken humanity and culture. You'll never shift our culture through creating more laws. Religion, doing our very best, the best way we can, in our own power, with our own might, will not do it. It cannot change our culture. Only a relationship to Jesus and a heart change can bring peace between people and a hope for change in our future. This morning, if you haven't uh, invited Christ into your life and you're struggling with some of these emotions that we've talked about that are constantly breeding division and discord and breaking down relationships rather than building bridges, I encourage you to come to Christ. And to come to Christ is a a simple matter of saying, I... I recognize my need. I can't change the way I think and the way I feel in my own power. And Jesus, would you come in to my life and change me from the inside out through changing my nature and my heart and giving me a new mindset, and new emotions inside. I know, I know it doesn't happen in a flash, but take the step. Start the process. And you'll find the great power that there comes through not only you being reconciled to God, but how God will use you as a reconciling force to bring people together, to love on people just as he loved you. May the Lord bless you today.